the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. This is Darwin Messidu, a.k.a. Darwin Darko. Welcome to The Ekphrastic, a podcast where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo has a legacy that cannot be underestimated or exaggerated. It's likely that every female artist making art since the 1950s will quote her as an influence. But it's not only artists and those who are interested in art that she inspires. Stay tuned for her story after some news from the art world. First up we have Busan Banal scrambles to put on a show in pandemic times. This comes from the Korea Herald, um, part of the Asia News Network. And it starts, when the second wave of COVID-19 infections hit South Korea in late August, forcing people to suspend many of their daily activities, the Busan Banal's organizing committee went into crisis mode. With the government announcing that strict social distancing rules would remain nationwide until September 20, uh, the Busan Bunao 2020, the International Contemporary Art Show, scheduled to, sh- to open September 5th in the southern port city of Busan, um, it had to quickly change its plans only a few days before the opening. The entire exhibition team was panicking and had to come up with a new plan. To make things worse, two typhoons had just hit the city ahead of the Bainal. This was a quote from Lee Sol Hui, head of the exhibition team. It was never going to be easy to host the Banal in these challenging times. It was really rewarding to see the exhibitions all set up in the end, including the five outdoor installation works. The opening of the Bainal was streamed live from its YouTube channel on Saturday. This this was early September, so this is past, but you could probably go on YouTube and, and find it and replay it. Um, running for nearly three hours, Busan Bainal artist director Jacob Fabricius walked through every art piece at the uh, at the three venues. Yongo Harbor, Old Town, and the Museum of Contemporary Art Busan, much of the opening con- uh, ceremony was devoted to introducing the artist and explaining the implications of the works. Titled Word at and exhibition, an exhibition in 10 chapters and five poems, this year's edition of the Busan by Nows portrays the city via three genres, literature, visual arts, and music. In fact, the Bainal evolves around literary works by 10 fiction writers and one poet who were asked to write on the city of Busan. And I have a special place for poets in my heart, of course, being this is the acrastic. The stories were passed on to visual artists and musicians who then created art pieces inspired by their selection of literary work. A total of 90 artists from 34 countries are participating in the Bainal. 
as the exhibition venues will remain closed to visitors until the end of September, the Busan by Now Organizing Committee has created a 3D viewing room that will offer virtual tours of the three exhibition venues. Audiobooks provide Busan citizen readings of the participating literary works and soundscape plays music pieces by the participating musicians. Sounds like a dope experience. I'm definitely going to go online and check it out and see um, what their um, what they engineered to for the uh, international community to be able to participate because we weren't able to travel because of that Rona. Next up, we have some cutting edge art from New York. Um, this is uh, written in the where am I reading this from? Artnews.com by Maximiliano Duron. Uh, this was about uh, early November, and it's titled Cutting Edge Art Takes Over Soon to Be Obsolete New York Phone Booths in Outdoor Exhibition. Soon to be obsolete, huh? I would have thought that phone booths were very, you know, obsolete by by the time 1999 came around. I, I grew up in Miami, and... I remember uh, the last time I used a phone booth down when I lived in Miami and being a kid and how uh, <laughs> I remember having a pager. I had a pager and that was a cool thing to have a pager. You know, that was kind of before, well not before, I guess it was kind of during the time where I was like, hey, you know, the drug dealers are really <laughs> making use of this whole pager thing. So you might be associated with um, that kind of acolyte if you are, you know, you know, rocking a pager, but you know, it was, but was cool to have a pager, a two-way pager and stuff. Um, and so, you know, you get that, you get that, uh, that 911 page, you know, a friend of yours or maybe a girlfriend at the time, and you had to go find yourself a pay phone to give them that phone call real quick. What's up? You know, what's going on? Check them out. So, so that's, so it's interesting for them to say, oh, these things are soon to be obsolete. I, who still uses a pay phone? Okay, fine. Let, let, let's go on with the article. Can a phone booth become an art piece? That was a question artists Damien Ortega and Bree Zucker, director of New York's Kurimanzuto Gallery. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I see where this is going. So y'all going to throw these names at me and I'm going to have to try to work through the pronunciations. All right. And just uh, put me out there like that. All right. Fine. Challenge accepted. New York's Kurimanzuto Gallery had in mind when they organized Titan, an exhibition in which 12 artists' works are situated in phone kiosks in 6th Avenue in Midtown Manhattan through January 3rd. So this is, um, if you're going to be in New York anytime over the next several months, over the New Year's, January 3rd, check out 6th Avenue in Manhattan. You can check out these phone booths. The art spaces will be temporary in more sense in, in more sense than one. Sometimes early next year, sometime early next year, after the show ends, New York City, which took over ownership of the kiosk from the now defunct Titan, will remove the booths, rendering obsolete what has long been an integral part of the city's landscape. In their place will be kiosks offering Wi-Fi. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Um, free Wi-Fi for everybody. Choosing booths between 51st and 56th Street was intentional. For Ortega and Zucker, the location represents an important circuit of the city with the Museum of Modern Art and Radio City Music Hall, various public sculptures, and most importantly, large 
corporate buildings all situated nearby. Quote, for us, this avenue is a microcosm and a perfect area for study, Zucker told Art News. The location is far from arbitrary. It was an incision that was made into the map of Manhattan to highlight a specific artery of the city. Ortega added, we couldn't cover the city or all of 6th Avenue, but we could do an acupunctural intervention. For the outdoor show, Ortega and Zucker have gathered together a significant group of artists, including Kirimazu Ar- Kirimanzuto artists, Kirimanzuto, I guess. I'm trying here, artists Minerva Cuevas, Jimmy Durham, and Rikrit Tiravanija, oh yeah, that's trying to set me up, as well as Hans Heike, Heike, how do I pronounce this? This is, his name is Hans, H-A-N-S, last name H-A- a C K E Hack <laughs> Hike Hike Hake All right uh, another person Glenn Lee Lee Zoe Leonard Yvonne Rayner Patty Smith Boom I got that Smith nailed it and Renee Green Each artist has their own dedicated phone booth which features their art on the three exterior sides of the kiosk in place of advertisements. The exhibition is also accompanied by its own dedicated website, which includes a map of where to locate each booth and an artist statement for each work. So that is dope. That that sounds exciting. Uh, I live I, I live maybe a couple hours from from uh, New York, so it's um it's it's not far fetched for me to you know to just take that trip and go up there and just like hunt these things down. That sounds exciting. Um, it's a great idea to reuse a space that has become obsolete and um, for for such purposes art. Uh, I would I would have hoped to. Why can't you make it both a Wi Fi space and an art space at the same time? Like you have to take the artwork down just because you, you know why you put the artwork put the uh, Wi Fi stuff in the guts put it all in the inside and, and the artwork could be the outside portion um where i live we have um we have a bunch of these power boxes around the city the, they control um the low the, the particular areas um lights like the uh, traffic lights and maybe emergency signals that are around that area maybe train strength train crossings and stuff and these power boxes have been I don't know if it's leased or it's been commissioned, but there's an artist, maybe it's a couple of artists, that have been allowed to paint these power boxes. And so as we drive around the, the city, we come across these random power boxes and it's like, it's sort of like a graffiti kind of thing, but some of them are more um, contemporary, probably artwork, and maybe a couple of them are surreal, but... Uh, th- it's, it's art pieces, random art pieces that have been allowed to to grow amongst the tapestry of the neighborhood, amongst the city and the the uh, relevant landscape. And so, if you're gonna you're gonna have these booths that you you're transforming from um, payphones, 
to you know uh you know a little bit of art exhibition and then you're going to transfer it to the wi-fi what? why even take down the artwork just put the wi-fi on the inside and and keep the outside parts as a decorative you know um uh shout out to the local artists or whatever artists you can feature that maybe it's even like a preview of especially you have the Met Gala that's there, you have the MoMA, you know, and, and this could be something that could draw people to, hey, go check out the MoMA to see more work from this particular artist. Just an idea, but what do I know? I say this all the time. I'm just an amateur art enthusiast. So, um, take it or leave it. <laughs> okay, so for our final piece today in art news, we are, today, today as I'm recording, it's actually November 10th. So there's some and I'm recording from the United States, where we're listening from. So we've recently had some big news. And this last art piece is, uh, this last art news is relevant to that. And it's titled, Biden-Harris Campaign Pays Homage to Iconic Lorraine O'Grady's Artwork in New Video. Okay, so the, there's a, it's a, the article is accompanied with a, a still picture from a, a video from the um the campaign paying homage to lorraine so they begin after the associated press and various other outlets called a win in the u.s presidential election for joe biden on saturday um, many members of the art world rejoiced including artist lorraine o'grady whose work was a key inspiration in a video put out by biden and kamala harris's campaign thanking voters this past weekend in the video, shots of people of various races holding empty picture frames are shown as a version of America the Beautiful plays. These images are a reference to O'Grady's Art Is, which was first staged in New York's Harlem neighborhood in 1983 and is now celebrated as a seminal work in the history of performance art. The work was also seemingly referenced by actress Tracy Ellis Ross at the 2019 Met Gala. O'Grady's work involved bringing gold picture frames to that year's African American Day Parade and having attendees pose inside of it. 15 performers, 15 performers wearing white helped stage the work, which is now remembered primarily through photographs documenting the event. In those pictures, Harlem residents and participants within the parade enact jaunty poses inside the frames. The artist whose work will be the subject of Brooklyn Museum's uh, retrospective in 2021 has said she made art is to counteract the idea that avant-garde art had little to do with the black community. Working within a lineage seeded by Marcel Duchamp and many more, O'Grady showed that the boundary between art and life was thin and could effectively be elided by bringing her practice outside the confines of institutional spaces. On Instagram, New York's Alexander Gray Associates, which represents O'Grady's, uh, O'Grady said that the Biden-Harris campaign had spoken with the artists and the gallery before releasing the video. In a statement, O'Grady said, I gave them and they gave to me. If you type in Joe Biden, America the Beautiful, 
um, it'll show up on YouTube. I recently just watched it. Um, and he concludes the video with it saying, a president for all Americans. And as a marketing minor in my undergrad, it's an exquisite piece of work, um, especially featuring this artist. It's, I recommend you watch it, check it out. Um, it's had over um, 400,000 views and who knows how, what effect it had on the elections. But uh, if you're hearing this, by the way, uh, Joe Biden is the president-elect. So um, if this is the first time you're hearing it, I'm happy to be the one to bring that news to you. Um, we've been in a tumultuous place in America for a while now. And um, you should also go on YouTube and look at the elation of folks in the streets celebrating um, at uh, a sense of normalcy or getting back to a sense of normalcy. But we still have the pandemic, so whatever normalcy used to be, we all have to establish and get used to a new normal. With that said, that's the latest in art news. Now back to our artist, Frida Kahlo. Let's get to know her a little bit better. Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderón is one of Mexico's most celebrated and well-known artists, renowned for her surrealist paintings and complex self-portraits. Born in the summer of 1907 in Mexico City, Mexico, to a German-born father and Mexican mother, she studied philosophy and medicine as a youth. At the age of six, Kahlo contracted polio, leaving one leg shorter than the other, which she covered with long skirts. Kahlo attended the renowned National Prep School in Mexico City, where she first met the famous Mexican muralist Diego Rivera, who later became her lover. She was later involved in a traumatic bus accident at the age of 18, leaving her badly injured and confined to a bed for months. During her recovery, she took up painting from her bed. Her, her mom, I can't remember if it's her mom or her father, they uh, concocted this contraption um, to help her. Which, okay, so she retook, she took up painting from her, you know, from her hospital bed, which was something that she used to do. It was a hobby that she had as a child. And so this contraption allowed her to paint as she's laying on her back um, throughout these several months. She would, This bus accident was horrific. She broke a collarbone, several ribs, a femur. Uh, she shattered a, one of her a foot. Um, pelvic bone was like these... Um, the, the doctors that performed um, surgery on her and, and and try to fix her up told her, you know, you may never walk again. They also told her, like, you know, there's there's a risk that you may even die from all of this. And you know, she didn't die so soon. But what ended up happening is that she did have uh, a lot of pain for the, you know, for the for the remainder of her of her life. Her style was inspired by. Pre-Columbian artists 
in artifacts and in Mexican folk art. Kahlo produced bizarre yet beautiful work, which the surrealist Andre Breton once described as a, a ribbon around a bomb. My paintings are well painted, not nimbly, but patiently, she once said about her work. My paintings contain in it the message of pain. And it's not hard to see how she comes to that, how she gets to that place. Her life was filled with pain. She, you know, she, she had polio, you know, and a lot of kids had polio around that time. She got in this tragic bus, bus accident. She met the, the, you know, the love of her life, um, uh, Riviero, and, you know, he cheats on her, she cheats on him, they break up, get back together again, and all of that, she, when she rediscovers art, uh, Rivera, that's his name, Rivera, when she rediscovers art, it all translates <laughs> on, on paper, on paint, on canvas. Her earliest paintings, which she made in the 1920s, were influenced by the Renaissance masters and the European avant-garde artists such as Amadeo Modigliani. Towards the end of the decade, like towards the end of, around this time it was 19, late 1930s, 1940s, Kahlo derived more inspiration from Mexican folk art. She, she started being, becoming more of a, of a, um, a revolutionary. Drawn to elements of fantasy, naivete, and fascination with violence and death, I would say she... Oh, I forgot to say this. She had several miscarriages. Part of all the pain that she's, she was going through with the polio, the, the bus accident, and, and her love life, you know, going from Mexico to the U.S., she also had, you know, these miscarriages. So, yeah, a lot of her artwork, this was an escape for her to, to relay what she was going through internally to the rest of us. So it, she had a fascination with violence and death, and that's what it looked like to us. Before, for her, it was an outlet. I would say she developed a style of her own, a mix of impressionism mixed with modern art and surrealism. And of course, like I said, often is depicted in pain and death. Despite her personal challenges, Callow worked her work continued to gain a following, and it was included in a number of group and solo shows early in the early 1940s. So after a brief solo exhibition in Paris, actually in, the, in 1938, the Louvre, the Louvre purchased a painting from Kahlo called The Frame. This became the first Mexican artist to be featured in their collection. And that's the Louvre. But like we know, we've been learning, we've been hearing about Kahlo. I've been telling you guys, her world was marked in pain. Her health worsened over the next decade, but she continued to paint and show her works. She later died in Mexico, uh, in Mexico City, actually in Mexico, in July 1954 at the age of 47.
today's extractive poem, I wrote an original for this one, describing Callow's 1943 painting, Roots. So here's how this works. Remember, this is a description of a visual art piece. As I'm speaking, I want you to go visit the ekphrastic page on my website, darwindarko.com. Check the show notes. I'm going to try to make sure I include this in the show notes. There should be a link there. So you're at the darwindarko.com page. There you will find a catalog of all the artwork we discuss. To accompany today's reading, I want you to pull up the image of Frito Kahlo's Roots. It should be number seven. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. Such a surreal sensation, supplied simply by her style. She lays. Still, soon as she smiles, the sun stands still in the sky. The rays. Succumbed by satin, silky strands, shimmering hair. Oh, yay. Handcuffed hostage in honor of his hostess. In spite. Her heralding hails to come hither. But not quite. Holding on to heat, who knows how long. Oh, yay. Roots ravaged, rendering no reprieve indeed. They spread. Reflect the shades of red, the desert undead. Instead. Remember the rolling revenant with no regrets. Oh, yay. Leisurely laid lucid, lacking all doubts of luster. Pure bliss. Lest the lady be made a liar, her lumen unlimited. Sun-kissed. Lesson learned, leveraged from a lingering legacy. Oh, yay. Dawn is the day that drags across the desert floor. The heat. Dressed in orange decor, devouring her very core. Heartbeat. Denizen upon death's door, doing her damnness to delay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Kahlo's work as an artist remained relatively unknown until the late 1970s. Uh, her work was rediscovered by art, histori art historians and political activists. By the early 1990s, she had become not only a recognized figure in art history, but also regarded as an icon for Chicanos, the feminism movement of the LGBTQ plus movement. In 1958, her home in the La Casa Azul, the Blue House, in which she was born and died, was converted into the Museo Frida Kahlo. So this has become her museum. You can go to Mexico and you can go check it out today. In 2002, her life was subject of the movie Frida. Frida was actually um, Selma Hayek and Alfred Molina was Molina was in uh, in that movie and it was nominated uh, for six. Academy Awards. Her work also inspired Jean-Paul Gaultier. I actually wear his cologne, but in the movie uh, Fifth Element, Jean-Paul Gaultier was a costume was a uh, costume designer, and um, he designed the uh, uh, Mila 
Mila was the character, was the woman who was reborn or something. And she had the the very skimpy white bathing suit kind of thing um, in that movie. So how, how about that? <laughs> you know, Frida's, Frida's has her influence way beyond the um, the art world, way beyond just Mexico, which way beyond, you know, the um, the influence of the surrealism that she contributed to the uh, Mexican art world. Today, her work is held in collections in the MoMA in New York, uh, the LA uh, Museum of Art, and uh, the uh, Young Museum in San Francisco, National Museum of Women in Art in DC, amongst other places. So she is, you know, you, you, you bring up Anthony Davis, I know this is going to sound weird. <laughs> you bring up Anthony Davis and I raise you a Frida Kahlo, unibrow MVP. They both are known for the for their unibrows. And she painted a ton of self-portraits. And in these self-portraits, she exhibited, you know, she's proud of this unibrow. She felt like the, the unibrow for her was like a, a dove. Um... You know, like a bird. You know, it's a, shine, a sign of freedom and and to be able, and ability to escape whatever her present circumstances was. And you know, she had plenty of reasons to want to uh, uh, indulge in some escapism. Uh, but like I said, uh, greatest unibrow of all time, you know, has a challenge from Anthony Davis in the NBA to Frida Kahlo. Uh, so I'll leave it up to you. You put up the two works against each other. Uh, he has a championship now. <laughs> he, so, you know, I guess he's he's in contention. He has his final. He, he just got one. Got one championship. We'll see in the NBA. Um, but it's been fun. It's been fun sharing this art with you. Um, thanks for joining me on this journey. Remember, again, you can find this episode cataloged at darwindarko.com along with other episodes. And uh, look up Frida Kahlo uh, on your own time. She's a very interesting uh, revolutionary for her time. She inspires uh, plenty artists, um, even even after her death. I'm Darwin Mesadu, aka Darwin Darko. Thanks for listening. <laughs>